0: Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. I'm going to start this off by sort of summarizing the whole episode here. It's going to be a little different, kind of rapid fire here at the very beginning, because I want to get to the meat of this episode. The meat of this episode was sent to me by a friend of the show, a friend of mine, and our anonymous educator in Louisiana, who is still working inside of their district office. Coming up on what appears to be their last year, and they are receiving forced professional development via a video series of nine, I think it's eight to nine hours of videos that all of the employees in the district, including the teachers and everyone, are told to watch and then take a test periodically throughout these videos and then certainly at the end of these videos, whether they be true-false questions, multiple choice, things of that nature. And I'm going to get into that more specifically, and I have audio from that to play you because th- this really can't, I mean, the importance of this can't be overstated, that, uh, that this right here is, is the largest problem. It does not have to be professional development that the likes of Chris Rufo or Libs of TikTok and all these other people will bring up that is blatant and in-your-face. So much so, again, we all remember the image, and I'll reference this numerous times probably throughout the episode, but we all remember the the infamous image of this morbidly obese black woman wearing a a green onesie, skin-tight leotard thing. And she's standing next to a giant, um, uh, like an easel, you know, a whiteboard easel. And on it, it says something about how everybody's racist and they don't even know it. And this was either corporate or education-related professional development that they were receiving from her, where she was looking at the crowd and again saying, if you're white, you're racist and you don't even know it, and I'm going to explain to you why. The kind of professional development that exists in these environments that's remarkably toxic does not have to be that in your face. In fact, it's far more subtle and it's far more hidden unless you know what to look for and and unless you can recognize it at face value and see it for what it is. And I'm going to bring up those examples later on because one of the eight plus videos That exists in this video series that all of these school employees are told to watch and listen to, which many of them don't, as I'll describe later. They just hit play, they hit mute, they let the video run um, because, again, they're being tracked as to whether or not they're watching the video on their district computer. So they'll just let it run and let it run while they're doing other things. And then they'll come in in the end and just take the test because the test and the questions are pretty obvious. But it's far more subtle is is my overall point here that these videos and the one that i'm going to play here uh it, shortly is a sexual harassment video so there's videos on sexual harassment there's videos on bullying there's videos on diversity equity and inclusion there's videos on other subjects as well and you can tell that they take a hard slant again i'll get into that later but that's the meat of the episode so hang on shortly for that first off I want to read this, and this is a subject, of course, that you know I haven't covered hardly at all on the show other than the ridiculous money exchanges and money laundering that's taking place, and all of that specifically regarding Ukraine. Now, in the town where I live, the the very stupid city council has decided that we need a sister city in Ukraine. So it's, again, another giant money laundering scheme and a pat yourself on the back because we're all helping Ukrainians. That, of course, is not happening. The money that's being sent over there is being laundered. It's finding its way into the pockets of people who are not Ukrainians. And if they are, they're criminals. And it's not going to anything that is good. It's not It's not going to food for anybody, whatever it is. and And again, my overall picture on this entire thing is, is as basic as you would think and as straightforward as you think. There's just people over there killing each other over nothing because of a corrupt Ukrainian government, because we know what Ukraine has been doing this entire time. They've been the deep state's laundering machine since, well, forever, and that's exactly why alleged money is being sent over there from our own government, allegedly. I don't necessarily believe that that's the case. I personally think that those numbers and those figures that we see um are just fake numbers and and money amounts. I, I don't think it's real. All these hundreds of billions of dollars. Uh, you know, I I don't know. I really don't know one way or another, but I do know this, and, and this makes complete sense, which is what I wanted to read here. This is from Wall Street Apes on Twitter at Wall Street Apes, and they say a number of things here regarding Ukraine. Where the money is going, and how people seem to have no flippant idea as to what's happening here. So they started off by saying this. They said quote, "There's a reason Ukraine was chosen as the location of our globalist money-laundering proxy war. It's the base of operation for unimaginable evil. Ukraine has been the epicenter of human trafficking, organ harvesting and missing babies since before 2018 I'm sorry, before 2008. There we go. It says so much so, the European Council adopted recommendations after a presentation about the missing babies in organ harvesting uncovered in Kharkiv if I'm saying that right. It said, "Quote, research was carried out as part of a US-Ukraine research partnership as part of an agreement between the International Center of the US National Institute of Justice and the Ukrainian Academy of Legal Sciences." About human trafficking in Ukraine. Here were the key findings, they said. Number one, the sexual exploitation of women in prostitution has risen sharply following the independence of Ukraine. Women in prostitution in Ukraine were interviewed. Narcotics addicted women who stood along the highway described critical losses in their lives and the use of drugs as factors influencing their involvement in and inability to leave prostitution. Women in street prostitution in the city center described their life circumstances and the violence they were subjected to in prostitution. Number two, women are being recruited and trafficked from almost all regions of Ukraine. Women from different regions of Ukraine are likely to be trafficked to different destination countries. It says, from these stem regions of Ukraine, women are trafficked mostly to the Czech Republic, Yugoslavia, Bulgaria, and Germany. From the northern regions, women are mostly often trafficked to Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, and the Netherlands. From the southern regions, women are taken to Turkey, Greece, Italy, Romania, the United United Arab Emirates, Israel, Syria, and Germany. Number three, It says approximately 70% of the victims were trafficked by means of sophisticated deceptions. Mostly the women were offered work abroad as a waitress or dancer. Uh, Traffickers approach beauty contest participants with offers of contracts for modeling abroad. Modeling, quote unquote. Schools were also used to train and recruit victims. Women are most frequently trafficked through travel agencies Most of which are legally registered. Number four, 80 percent of the traffickers are Ukrainian citizens, and about 60 percent are women. The traffickers use women who were formerly in prostitution as recruiters. Number five, according to the surveys conducted by the Ukrainian researchers, two thirds of young Ukrainian women want to go abroad. Many of them are influenced not only by the by the poverty and lack of opportunity at home, but by the Western lifestyles seen in the media. Many believe that they will find a wealthy, attractive Western businessman who will marry them and solve their problems. It continues. Number six. The collapse of the Soviet Union opened up a pool of millions of women from which traffickers can recruit. Now former Soviet republics such as Ukraine, Belarus, Latvia, and Russia have become major sending countries for women trafficked into sex industries all over the world. In the sex industry markets today, the most popular and valuable women are from Ukraine and Russia. Number seven. It says in 1998, the Ukrainian Ministry of Interior estimated that 400,000 Ukrainian women were trafficked during the previous decade. Number eight. It says the International Organization for Mitigation estimated that between 1991 and 1998, 500,000 Ukrainian women had been trafficked to the West. 13 popular destination countries for women from Ukraine include Turkey, Greece, Cyprus, Italy, Spain, Yugoslavia, Bosnia, Herzegovina, I'm saying that right, probably not, Hungary, Czech Republic, Croatia, Germany, United Arab Emirates, Syria, China, the Netherlands, Canada, and Japan. And then finally, it says, Prosecution of human trafficking was nearly non-existent in Ukraine in from 1996 until 2000. Despite over 550,000 instances of human trafficking annually, less than 50 resulted in criminal charges. And they wrapped up and said, you still think it's a coincidence the Ukraine war started right after the WEF Joe Biden administration got installed by voter fraud? Question mark? Unquote. If any local city council school, as you've heard me say, schools even do this, of course, and raise money for Ukraine, all that's doing is helping fund human trafficking. That's it. Because if it's not going into the pockets of the people that are actually doing the trafficking, It's going into the pockets of the people who are being trafficked to make it easier for them to be trafficked in one way or another. This is undeniable. Not to mention there's not a single person who's raising money for quote-unquote Ukraine, so they say, and they can actually tell you exactly where the money is going and then prove it to you. They could tell you. They could say, well, it's going here and it's going here and We have confirmation and we trust these individuals who are our representatives, and it's going here and here. No, 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 no. They have no proof. None. None at all. And the person who's running the operation and is partnering with the city council and the mayor's office in the town where I live, this guy lives in London. He's a wealthy guy in London. And now again, for some reason, our town has associated with a Ukrainian town. This is uh it's beyond despicable. I'm just going to end it there. It's beyond despicable. These people are the dumbest on the face of the planet. They have no idea what's going on. And uh it's painful to watch because they're just so stupid. And I you know this is it's disgusting to say but it's true. You know, at least they're jabbed because they've got that going for them. I mean, the next time you see me speak publicly in one of these school board meetings or city council meetings, it will be when one of them drops over. When one of them drops over who is sitting at the dais or at a table and they're up front and they're actually a member of one of those councils or one of those boards, that's when I'll show up. And I will rub it in. I absolutely will rub it in. There's there's no denying it because they have to be reminded of what they've done to themselves and what they're doing to endless people. And then, of course, dropping the fact that they're raising money for... uh child trafficking and human trafficking in a foreign country, well, they should be reminded of that too. But again, if anybody's interested in bringing that to the attention of their city council, you can use this audio as an example if you want, or you can just bounce over to Wall Street Apes and uh, take a look at their posts and take a look at what they've written about. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's undeniable. It's just undeniable. This is one of those things, again, that you'll never see in the education business is people evaluating and actually researching what's really going on within a specified environment and then getting down to the real problem. This is being done among researchers in Ukraine as to what's happening to the people there. You have different fractions and different elements involved. You have criminals, you have the politicians, and they're all on one side, and then you have innocent people on the other. I mean, for God's sakes, the uh, Zelensky regime over there—if there's—if there's one even—if there's a, a war taking place—I mean, I've seen the footage. Excuse me, of these guys getting their legs blown off as a result of uh, you know of these landmines, and and I've seen I've seen Ukrainian soldiers innocently kill innocent Ukrainians at point blank range with machine guns. I mean, I've watched this footage, but. They're also going into mental institutions and recruiting the mentally retarded to fight for them. I mean, they're kidnapping their own citizens. This has been going on since the start of this entire thing. It's it's ridiculous, but no one seems to uh, no one seems to care. No one seems to even think that something like that would actually happen. But it's been happening this entire time. Okay, moving on here. Just a few quick headlines here. Of course, uh, first of all, just the other day. Yuval Harari, Klaus Schwab's butt buddy, apparently, um, was talking about how, again, conspiracy theorists, quote-unquote, or anybody who's talking about the truth online, um, that all of us need to be silenced, and that our social media accounts need to be turned off, and anybody saying Jews or Freemasons needs to be eliminated, and anybody talking about 5G and the COVID shots and everything else needs to be uh, censored on the internet. Well, thank you. You're welcome and thank you. So he's still out there running his mouth. I can't wait to see his rat face at the end of a rope. Either way, he's out there doing what he's doing. Klaus Schwab's daughter is out there also uh, screaming climate change and saying that, quote permanent climate lockdowns are coming whether you like it or not. That's the headline anyway. Not sure if um, there's more to it than that. Well, there's audio here of her discussing a number of things, that it's the precursor to coming lockdowns, and uh, the whole climate change lie continues to get pushed. Just wanted to continue to bring that to your attention. There's this, too, and this really grinds my gears also. You know, I I, I love hardworking Americans. I love hardworking people. I always have... Um, I'm very sympathetic to to many of them, in particular the ones who work for large corporations or large companies and they get screwed. And it really bothers me every single time that this happens. Again, it's much like a like a school teacher who signs up to be a part of a union and they actually think the union is going to help them. Well, joke's on them. The union never helps them. And uh, when push comes to shove, if they want to just steal everybody's money and go bankrupt and shut the company down? Well, they can, and that's what's happened here with the yellow trucking company. We all remember the yellow trucks. Those of us that took road trips back in the day when we were kids, they'd blow right by you, and they'd just say the word yellow on them, and you're like, all right, cool. But um, yellow trucking has shut down its operations and files for bankruptcy. They took $700 million in U.S. government loan bailout, and have stiffed their workers. Their workers have received nothing. They haven't received any money. Um it says here the Wall Street Journal reported that of the 1.3 billion in loans the company has coming due next year, 729 million are from the government according to the yellow's latest quarterly report and the company reported about 1.48 billion in total debt. At the end of the first quarter, against eight hundred and six million in assets. Again, uh, you know, I, I threw up some of this audio on my Gab page of some of their workers just screaming and yelling at their managers as to why they are, uh, wh- why all their trucks are parked, and why again the threats of layoffs are coming, and of course they're already here now, and that was maybe a week ago, but it's heartbreaking. You, you watch these individuals work for these companies for 30 years, and uh, they're promised a pension. Every Every day they wake up, they're promised a pension at the end of 30 years, and now they're not going to have it coming, and now they're out of a job. And they probably don't have a whole lot of money because, again, without the pension, you're still working paycheck to paycheck. The only difference is, is in retirement with a pension, you're not working day in and day out. The money's just coming in. but it's absolutely heartbreaking, and the thing too. Again, this is this is uh, this is where a lot of people become remarkably dismissive on issues like this, is they don't understand the mental and emotional toll that such a thing takes on workers like this. I'm certain that many of these employees of this company uh, went home and and harmed themselves in some way, whether again they decide to take up drug use, or they just flat out kill themselves, whatever it may be. Every single time that employment decreases and unemployment increases, the suicide rate goes through the roof. This has always been the case. It will always be the case. And this right here is, uh, is just more proof of it, I think, and it's remarkably terrible. So pray for these people and the people of this company because they've the actual workers themselves have been robbed. They've actually been robbed. And it's legal, which is the abomination of the entire thing. Okay. There's also this. This shouldn't shock people either. Uh, this is from Just the News. Again, the headline, Americans without college degrees earned more when immigration dipped under Trump, study found. It says college enrollment is dropping, creating a larger class of workers without degrees. This isn't a bad thing, but what we don't need to be doing is bringing in illegals to make up some difference in the workforce and uh, and fast track these illegals into becoming qualified to do endless jobs. And make no mistake, and I've worked in a building where this was the case, in a school building, where they actually hired an individual who was on a work visa. And this, again, this quote-unquote school teacher, so they said, couldn't speak English. And they were forced to teach a class that was an advanced junior and senior level, um, I don't know if it was physics or something, it was in the sciences. But they didn't last very long. And again, it it was a bad hire. But that's what's going to happen with these companies, and it'll certainly happen within the school environments, is they will start to hire illegals constantly, and these individuals will not be qualified to do the job. Not that they need a college degree to do it necessarily, but they they just don't have either the IQ, they don't have the previous training, um, they don't have the knowledge or the wherewithal, and I mean, for God's sakes, they're being given driver's licenses. So wrap your head around that one but that's something that's going to continue to occur. In fact, that leads me to this quick little piece of audio I want to play before I get into uh of the education stuff here that I that I have lined up. This particular audio was bouncing around Gab this morning and this is a female who claims to be a New York independent journalist or just a journalist and they are walking around a particular movie theater that is now vacant, but is filling up with illegals. Of course, they all use the word migrants, but no, they're illegals and they don't belong here. And they're all sleeping around this entire movie theater on the outside of the building, but they say again that the building became vacant recently yet again, and is now being used as an intake center. So give this audio a listen in three, two, one.
1: I'm a reporter in New York City, and this is what I'm covering this Monday morning. I took this video at around 4.30 this morning outside the Roosevelt Hotel in Manhattan on 45th Street. This is actually on 46th Street, but I'm just showing on this side to show the line of migrants that are sleeping on the sidewalk. Now, these are asylum seekers. They arrived in New York City a couple of days ago, hoping to get processed at the Roosevelt Hotel. Now, this was an iconic hotel. It's been in movies, but it shut down about three years ago and reopened earlier this year as an intake center for asylum seekers. Now, this weekend they were at capacity, so these migrants were left to sleep on the sidewalk. You can see the only thing separating them from the concrete is cardboard. Except for these folks here, you can see them sleeping right on the concrete, right on the sidewalk directly. If you've been following news out of New York City, you know that this isn't new. This has been happening for the past couple of months. There have been more than 93,000 asylum seekers that have arrived here in the city since the spring. Officials have said that this migrant crisis is costing the city billions of dollars, at least $4 billion, and Mayor Eric Adams is asking for more federal help.
0: Now, a couple of things here. First of all, in the video itself, you see approximately 100 of these, as she puts it, asylum seekers, no, 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 they're illegals again, and they don't belong here, but there's at least a hundred of them they're all lying on the ground, sleeping, doing whatever they're doing. Ladies and gentlemen, if we don't round up all these people and send them back, our country is finished. It's absolutely finished. The military has got to intervene at some point here in the coming year or so as more and more millions are just spilling over. And I know that a lot of the attention is on the Mexican border, but ladies and gentlemen, they're coming in from Canada. They're coming in on airplanes. They're being flown in on airplanes and being serviced by these quote-unquote Christian organizations and Jewish foundations. I've been over all this on the show here. This is Uh, it's just, it's so, it's so maddening. This is just so maddening. Which which brings up this. Any left-wing lunatic who would listen to me talk about this issue, I'm sure would start throwing around names and calling me names. Well, you're xenophobic. You're this, you're that. You're just afraid of of migrants. You know, they have a right to. No. The answer is no. And I'm not afraid of them. I'm afraid of what I'll do if they keep coming here. That's what I'm afraid of. So again, when, when these kind of left-wing lunatics keep name-calling and doing what they're doing, you have to trump them. You just have to trump what they say back to you. If they call you a name, you say, No, I'm not afraid of them. They should be afraid of me. And then you look these idiots right in the face and you just double down. But again all the left has is the name calling all they have is attempted guilt they just attempt to guilt you into thinking that the stance you're taking is somehow not nice or unkind or whatever approach that they think that they want to take and they think again that just name calling and calling you all these made up names xenophobic or you're uh, you know you just you're racist and you hate migrants yes Yes, the answer is yes. I'm not racist cuz that that term doesn't it doesn't apply. It's made up just like xenophobia is made up. But I don't want illegals here. Period. I don't. And again, if that offends you and you're listening to this, well, you know, too bad. Listen to another show. But I don't want them here. They're a drain on everything that's already being drained. I mean, the drain is dry. The faucet's dry already. This is all a giant on purpose. That's the the largest point. People have got to make these blatant connections as best they can. They killed off the American population with a biological weapon. They're flooding our country with illegal aliens who can't do anything. They're trying to fill them in these vacant positions within these, what, businesses and school positions and labor positions? I mean, look what Illinois is doing now. You're allowed to be a police officer in the state of Illinois if you are in a legal. How is that going to work out for anybody? It isn't. But Sean, they're going to get a job and they're going to get trained and they're going to be a law-abiding citizen. Are they? Are they? They're not from here. <laughs> they're not They're not from here, we have a culture here, and no again, people would start saying, "Well, we're multicultural and we're a nation of immigrants. Shut up with all that. Just stop. It's exhausting. We're being invaded. The invasion was planned out a long, long time ago, a hundred plus years ago. It's in the protocols of the elders of Zion. It's in that book, it's in there. Flood them with illegals. Cause fear. Cause panic, psychological distress among the citizens of an area. Tell them that they need shots in order to stay healthy. We'll kill them. We'll poison their food, poison their air, poison their water, and then we'll flood their country with illegals, and then there will be chaos. And the people with the money can eliminate these illegals anytime that they want. And as we know, it is race replacement. It's, it's, it's racial genocide. They're seeking to not just wipe out whites. They want everybody gone. That's happening. This is happening. And if people can't connect these very basic Legos together, I mean, you've got four Lego pieces in a Lego set. There's only four of them. They have to, they have to connect. You have to put them together because if you don't, well, you're not making anything. This right here is the plan. It can't get more obvious is my point. And oddly enough, this brings me almost to the meat of the episode here with this professional development training, because it's within this professional development training at the K-12 level, they're also wiping out white people within this professional development. Albeit subtle, they're still doing it, and it's still a giant on purpose. And like I said, I'm going to go through this entire program. Um, and certainly the description on their website, and then play some audio from one of their videos that apparently Louisiana teachers are forced to uh, forced to watch and participate in. But it, it's it, it's all a giant plan. That's all, and we're all in the losing end if the right things don't start happening here. Um, I tell you what, I'm gonna skip that. There's also, of course, LeBron James's I Plus pro- or I Promise School. I mean, the the name of it was was hilarious. And that uh, nobody in their eighth grade class uh, passed the state proficiency in math. So, shocking. And of course, well, let me, let me mention this. I'll tell you what. I'll mention this very quickly. I know my attitude's a little off today. My apologies. But um, I'm frustrated. And this bothers me. All of this bothers me. Um, Matt Walsh decided to, again, step up to the plate and become the education expert that he is. And Matt Walsh put a video out that I saw on YouTube very haphazardly. I wasn't even searching for it, but it was right there. And of course, the the LeBron James story is low-hanging fruit. You know, multi-millionaire, if not billionaire, basketball player, who, by the way, has a lifetime contract with Nike. So, you know, he's a slave, whether he knows it or not. Um, And dresses like a woman. Have you seen the pictures of LeBron in the skirt? I mean, please. The man's deranged. Uh either way, when an individual like this decides to build their own charter school, of course, it's a giant back-padding thing, and we're helping everybody, and we're going to help these kids, and we're going to teach these kids, and it's all that nonsense. Very rarely do the schools succeed. Uh, th- there was another it- – it slipped my mind. Um, darn it. I don't know if it was Mike Irvin or Deion Sanders or somebody. But it it was one, you know, it was another famous athlete who happened to be black, not that that, whatever, it, it doesn't necessarily matter. I mean, you either know what you're doing or you don't, but they also attempted to build a series of schools that did not work out and immediately ended up running away. And of course, the people that they hired to be on their board were stealing money and misappropriating funds and so on and so on. Um... Matt Walsh in his video, though, he never hits on the real issues. And this is the problem with Matt Walsh, which is why, again, if you want real education analysis, my recommendation is you go to somebody who's been in the business and understands how corrupt it is and can give you some more specifics. The things that Matt Walsh brings up as being the problem as to why these students didn't pass their their math uh, proficiency tests. Is because of the home life, and that was about it. That was all Matt brought up. It was all about the home life in the broken home. We have fatherless homes, and that's why these kids within this school can't uh, can't read and comprehend, and certainly can't do math. It's because of the broken home. It's it's ludicrous. What about the school teacher? Where did they come from? What are their credentials? Where did they learn to teach? What did they learn to teach? How did they learn to teach? Where did they receive their so called education, which we know is indoctrination? Where did they get it to be an instructor? And then, of course, what's the curriculum look like? Are they learning the basics or are they not? Are they learning all this trick math and this woke math and satanic math or are they learning the actual basics? Because here's the other rub, which again, Matt Walsh would know if he had been in the business. If the instruction doesn't match the test, and they have an impossible time with the instruction, and the questions that are being asked in their daily practice long before they ever take a test, then they'll never pass the test. And this is being done on purpose too. The questions on math and within math texts today are the same and equally as complicated as the questions that are being asked on these state standardized tests. For a very long time, they were remarkably different. The, test, uh, the questions on the test would be a little more difficult than what you would typically receive in a classroom. And instead of just making it basic math that, that an eighth grader can understand, which is typically pre-algebra. I mean, eighth grade is pre-algebra level math. You're, you're putting numbers together. If numbers are next to each other, then you have to multiply even when the sim- multiplication symbol isn't there. I mean, it's things like that. But if the proper process isn't being taught because the curriculum itself has been so warped over the years that they're never going to get the questions right in daily practice, you can't possibly expect anything to be different with the test. You can't. On top of that, what are they using as as an actual instructional tool beyond a so-called textbook if they're even using that? They're using these online programs. They're having these children stare at computers while they're having to listen to the teacher. And then they stop listening to the teacher because the teacher doesn't want to talk anymore. And then they say, get on your computer, hit play on this video, watch the video, and do what they tell you to do. This is the kind of instruction now where, again, computer voices, and I literally mean that. It doesn't even have to be a YouTube video. It's just these math programs that exist on computers are a computer voice telling the child what to do as they have headphones in, as they're staring at a computer for eight hours a day, and they're just attempting to grind it into their minds. Well, this right here should prove that that doesn't work. Never has. And then you bring in this, you bring in the quote-unquote professional development of American K-12 school teachers. And what are they being taught these days? Are they being taught the basics, the way that it used to be, that it the way that it worked for centuries, long before all of this current nonsense within the last 20 years? No, they're not. There's no role reversal here. There's no Unlearning what you have currently learned and getting back to the way that things were because it's a giant corporation and it is intended and purposely designed to confuse and fail. It's designed to get children and the instructors themselves to be confused, believe the lie, and then fail. Fail as an instructor and then therefore fail as a student. And it's working. This is the plan. This is part of this plan. This is part of the takedown of the United States of America. You have to destroy the youth of this country and the people who instruct youth. Certainly those who instruct them in the masses, which we know American K-12 school teachers do. Again, it's a giant conveyor belt in a factory. That's what the school environment has become. And with that said, I want to mention this this brief Peer-reviewed article, which I have brought up in the past before, but it deserves a quick revisit before I get into the meat of this episode. There was a paper that was written. I have it right here. Bear with me. Uh, the uh, okay, November of 2019. This is a rather important paper. It was titled, is titled, teacher effects on student achievement and height. A cautionary tale. I'm going to read the abstract to this one more time because this is remarkably telling and it requires just slight analysis. And I have personal experience with this from a professional development standpoint, quote unquote. So uh, I can certainly speak to this. But this, this right here again is what the likes of the Matt Walshes and the Chris Rufos and the Libs of TikTok are never going to cover. Because again, they've never been in the business and and they just don't have the experience. They are con ink, speaking about particular things that are low-hanging fruit. Oh, look, another teacher with purple hair screaming about trannies and how they have rights too, and they're going to teach their kids about trannies. That's great. But let's understand the larger brainwashing scheme here. So this particular paper discovered the following, and we'll, I'll read the abstract and then the ultimate revelation that came about as a result. The abstract says, quote, estimates of teacher value-added, quote-unquote, suggest teachers vary substantially in their ability to promote student learning. Prompted by this finding, many states and school districts have adopted value-added measures As indicators of teacher job performance. In this paper, we conduct a new test of the validity of value added models. Using administrative student data from New York City, we apply commonly estimated value added models to an outcome teachers cannot plausibly affect student height. We find the standard deviation of teacher effects on height is nearly as large as that for math and reading achievement, raising obvious questions about validity. Subsequent analysis finds these effects are largely spurious variation or noise rather than bias resulting from sorting on unobserved facts related to achievement. Given the difficulty of differentiating signal from noise in real-world teacher effect estimates, this paper serves as a cautionary tale for their use in practice. Here's what this means. Unquote, by the way. But here's what this means. It means that in this particular study, they had endless teachers examining the test scores of students and that by simply examining the test scores of state-standardized tests, that that would somehow, by default, cause the teacher to change what they're doing for the better and improve, thereby improving the academic achievement of the students themselves. And it didn't. It had no impact whatsoever. In fact, it had as much impact Examining students' previous standardized test scores and these, quote-unquote, value-added models, that it somehow adds value to the teacher or the student if you consistently just examine these numbers and revisit your own practices. That if you do that on a constant basis, it has as much impact on the student's achievement as it does on the student's height and how tall they are. So you can't improve their achievement by drilling in useless professional development into the minds of the instructors because it won't have any impact on them, just like you can't impact how tall they are, how fast or, or, uh, or slow they grow by, by staring at them themselves. Laughable. I mean, it's beyond laughable, but this has been proven to be a fact. Now, me personally, I had to do this also. I had to do this as a school teacher. They told us through a tracking system that was done on our computers that we had to log into this system and they could see the amount of hours and minutes and seconds that we were logged in to the state standardized test website that disclosed the scores for our students specifically, and this is the embarrassing part, specifically within our, within our homeroom classes. And many of the students that we had in our homeroom classes were not even students that we were formally teaching in our classes. Because the homeroom class was not an instructional class. It was like a study hall. And the vast majority of the students I had in my class, well... I didn't have them in my normal classes. They were just there for, for homeroom. It's, it's preposterous. And we would do this. We would log in. We would get yelled at in a faculty meeting about how it's evident that we aren't spending enough time staring at our computer and staring at the, uh, the, the test scores of students. And we would turn on our computers and we would log in, in particular on professional development days, and we would just stay logged in on these particular pages that were showing the previous test scores of our homeroom students for which we didn't even have in other classes. And these, th- these individuals, again, uh, let's see, four, yeah, it's four authors, one from Vanderbilt, one from the University of California, one from UNC Chapel Hill, and the other one from the University of California at Davis. And another one, again, University of California in Irvine. These individuals arrived at that same conclusion that this quote unquote value added models like we're going to increase the value of you as an instructor and 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 the uh the achievement of of the of the student by having the instructor examine how effective or ineffective the child has been in the past, and that will somehow magically make things improve in the future. no. It has no impact whatsoever, zero, and yet this still happens on a day in and day out basis, month in, month out, year in, year out, semester in, semester out, however you want to slice it, it still happens within American K-12 schools on a constant basis and people are wondering why it's failing and why it's destined to fail It's because no one's learning, in particular the people who are running the entire apparatus here. Okay. That's the I, uh, the I promise school. Well, you promise, all right. You promise to let people down and you promise to fail. And that's exactly what's happened. There was also this story from last week. This is from The Blaze just very quickly. University to undergo free speech training and pay $80,000 in a settlement for allegedly issuing a no-contact order against student instructing peers to report her harmful Christian political views. Um, this is, it's it's not too complicated, but I'll just read the first paragraph or first two here. It's Southern Illinois University in Edwardsville will pay $80,000 in a recent settlement agreement with a graduate student who accused the school of wrongfully ensuing, ensuing no contact orders against her and instructing her peers to report her harmful rhetoric, quote unquote, Bolshevism. See, this is Bolshevism. Maggie DeJong and Alliance Defending Freedom filed a lawsuit against the school after the student claimed that she was discriminated against for sharing her Christian conservative political views. Three of the school's professors have been ordered to undergo First Amendment training as part of the settlement agreement. Additionally, the university has been required to revise its policies and student handbook to protect students' political, religious, and ideological views. The irony. I mean the irony is, is is beyond astounding. It wraps up here. It says in February 2022, school officials issued no contact orders against DeJong after some of her peers reported her comments about religion, politics, critical race theory, Black Lives Matter, Marxism, censorship, COVID-related regulations, and the criminal justice system. So you have an American engage. I assume they're an American engaging in Free speech. Their peers don't like that. Their peers turn them into the institution. The institution encouraged their peers to turn them in. And then they ultimately recognized that they were being harassed, bullied, investigated for nothing. And then they sued and they won. And now the professors have to undergo First Amendment training. This is the state of affairs, ladies and gentlemen. It can't get clearer. This is the state of affairs. But again, these are not the individuals that run these institutions are not interested in any constitution. They don't have a personal constitution, they don't have morals, values, and they certainly don't care about the real constitution that allegedly still exists. These individuals are in it for their own ideology, which they don't know because they're that brainwashed, is their own destruction. They're, they're advocating for their own destruction and own loss of job and they have no idea. Which leads me now to this, the meat. I know that took a while, my apologies, but it's one hell of a setup to this. Okay. Vector Solutions, again, all credit to our friend of the show here in Louisiana, who is still in the inside in a district office. They sent me the following here. Again, just a brief Overview of this. They are told on a year in and year out basis to watch approximately nine videos, which of course indoctrinate and reteach numerous things, which encompasses approximately 44 minutes per video, give or take. I could have the timing wrong, but one of them, one of these videos, is about sexual harassment in the workplace, what to pay attention to, and so on and so forth. So let me first read through Vector Solutions here. Vectorsolutions.com on the About Us section, it says Training and Learning Technology for Everyday Heroes. Now, to, let me cut to the quick real quick. This is a training website, again, specifically for public education, and it says in for commercial markets, but it's largely public education. It's also designed to track the individuals who log in and then see, of course, how long they are logged in and what pages are they on and what are they doing and what are they watching and then all of this data collection is gathered by them and then sent back to district officials so that they can see who was doing what and when they were doing it it's surveillance this is a problem on the about section it says make you safer smarter better here's the other thing too going to be hard-pressed to find a white person in much of in much of these videos uh, and I'll get into that in greater detail but the imagery is all over the place too. I mean it, it's not it's not present here. It says Vector Solutions is a leading provider of award-winning intelligent SAAS solutions, SAS, okay, that help organizations prepare for more challenging workplaces. Our e-learning management software, paired with our extensive and curated content, meet the unique needs of our clients in the public education and commercial markets. Now, they claim to be in service for 20-plus years. They have 34,000-plus clients worldwide with 31 million-plus active users. They have products. They have awards. Meet our leadership team, okay? And there they are. Now, you get into these specific videos, and this entire section here is under the Industries tab, which is also under then the Education tab, which is then under the K-12 tab. So those are at the very least the keywords that they use here, but it is titled specifically, K-12 Education, Formally, Safe Schools, Exceptional Child and Teach Point. So these are the previous programs it used to be called. Now they've just renamed it, rebranded it, and here it is. This is on, it is titled Online K 12 School District Training and Software Solutions. It says K 12 Featured Courses Library, access quality courses covering critical topics like safety, compliance, inclusive instruction. And prevention for K-12 schools in one convenient online system. So they have a safety and compliance course or courses. They have student safety and wellness courses. They have inclusive instruction and interventions. They have a picture of an Asian child there. Uh, Diversity and inclusion program. And then that's essentially it. It says, trusted by more than 50% of districts nationwide. Virginia Beach, City Public Schools, Boston Public Schools, Austin Independent Schools, the Charlotte Mechanicsburg Schools, and then Choice Schools Associates. Okay, now, before... I get into playing some audio from one of these videos. And I'm going to play audio from a video that is titled Sexual Harassment Video. So this is their sexual harassment and bullying instruction. I need to set this up first. It's approximately 44 minutes long, a little less than that potentially. And throughout the video, what you will see, nine times out of ten, if not the entire time, is that the victim that is being described in these scenarios and situations is almost always a minority student, and they are being victimized by either unknown individuals without names, or they are identified as specifically being white individuals who are engaging in the harassment or bullying or whatever. Therefore, again, the victim in these situations is always a minority, whether it be a minority student or a minority teacher, and yet the victimizer is white or unidentified. This right here is the problem. This is the hidden agenda that is only hidden to those who do not understand the larger picture here and what is going on. This is subliminal messaging, it is programming, to say the least, and it's driving a wedge within the the working environment to indicate to people, whether they see it or not, that white people are the problem. So, I'm going to play these three scenarios that are laid out here within this video. But I want you to get just a taste of some of the language that you'll hear, of course, during the basic instruction. Because in this video, what they do is, the vast majority of it is, again, just a computer voice reading off slides as you see these slides in front of your face. And then they have actors. They have actors in situations pretending to be teachers and then student actors pretending to be students within these, again, made-up scenarios, which are completely scripted, which I, again, I can't emphasize enough, the victim is always a minority, whether they be a teacher or a student, and the victimizer is almost either unidentified or is white. And they, this is being done on purpose. In fact, let me read this text message from what they sent me, from uh, what our friend sent me here. They said this. They said that one of the individuals who puts this together is a Tammy L. Hodo PhD, and her title is author. It says, Tammy Hodo is a visiting assistant sociology professor at the University of North Florida where she teaches courses on racial and ethnic minorities as well as sociology and research methods. Her teaching and research focus on the experiences of minorities in academia both faculty and students specifically at predominantly white institutions this is her bio and yes she is a black woman but that's her bio she's specifically targeting what she calls predominantly white institutions and how on earth can you succeed in a predominantly white institution you can see the the bigotry in, in, the, in the premise here. It's overwhelming. So allow me to play some of the audio from this just in the basic instruction of the basic uh, slideshow, and then I'll get into the actual scripted scenarios because this is where I'm going to blow my lid. So here we go. Give this a quick listen, and then I'll stop it and then jump back in real quick.
2: Sexual harassment is an illegal form of discrimination that involves behavior related to sex, gender, perceived sexual orientation, or perceived gender orientation. One incident is all it takes for the behavior to count as sexual harassment. Schools are required by state and federal laws to have a policy prohibiting sexual harassment. Bullying is unwanted, aggressive behavior that involves a real or perceived power imbalance. Some definitions of bullying require that the behavior be repeated over time and that the behavior be intended to hurt, though intention is hard to prove and is not always present. Most states require schools to have policies in place to define and address bullying.
0: Did you catch that? It was very subtle, but it was there, and it's on the actual slide itself. Under sexual harassment, they define it again as involves behavior related to sex gender or perceived sexual orientation or perceived gender orientation which means according to them in this program if you don't acknowledge an individual's pretend bullshit pronouns then you're sexually harassing them according to them according to this slide and this definition Absolutely nuts. But this is again, these are the subtle, these are the subtleties of this that would fly right over the heads of the Matt Walsh's and the Chris Rufos and the libs of TikTok. They don't understand that it's in the individual word usage itself where the real poison and the real brainwashing is taking place. You don't need a morbidly obese black woman in a green leotard, calling a room full of people who are white, racists by default because they are white. You don't need that. I mean, that's, that's inappropriate in itself. But this right here, it really just involves the subtlety in this instruction for anybody who's really paying attention to it. They're trying to normalize all of this insanity, all of this gender-bending nonsense which, as you know, is satanic. It's in the Talmud. It's in satanic writing. It's everywhere. But that's what this is. And if you don't support it, well, there's something wrong with you, and, oh, look, now you're breaking the law. So they want you to think. But as we know, endless lawsuits have existed where teachers and professors have refused to use these quote-unquote preferred pronouns and all this other bullshit. And they're winning these lawsuits that they don't have to do that because that's pretend and it's insane. It's not their name on a legal document, which happens to be a birth certificate, but they just, again, it's just the normalization of pretend. Now, now I'm going to get into this and <laughs> this is incredible. It's just incredible. This is, these are the fake scenarios that they have now regarding uh, bullying and harassment in the workplace. And again, these are actors. They're pretend teachers talking about pretend situations that involve pretend students. So I'm going to start with this first one, give this a listen, and I'll jump in at the end. It's laughable.
2: School officials must take allegations seriously and investigate fairly and the district is required to conduct a prompt and unbiased investigation to ensure that the rights of both the accuser and the accused are respected. A student who knowingly files a false report of sexual harassment may face disciplinary action and other consequences. Do students ever sexually harass staff? Increasingly, the answer is yes. Common incidents can include During a class discussion, a student makes sexually explicit comments. The teacher responded by telling the student, in front of the class, that those comments would not be tolerated. The student begins making the teacher's class discussions difficult by being disruptive. As one teacher walks down the halls of the high school, a group of students whistle and make sexual comments at her. The girls standing nearby laugh and egg the male students on. If you are at the receiving end of sexual harassment, you have a few options to consider, depending on the situation. In the case of one sexually explicit comment, for example, step in immediately if you feel comfortable to do so. Immediately tell the student that behavior is not tolerated at your school. If you do not feel safe to speak up, walk away immediately. Be sure to check your school's policy about sexual harassment. It will provide information about your next steps. Always remember that you have the right to work in a safe and healthy environment. Sexual harassment is not part of the job, and you do not have to tolerate it.
0: Okay, that wasn't the actor portion, but I'm going to get to that, I promise. I did want to play that, though, because this is remarkably important. The hypocrisy here is thick and remarkably incredible. I myself was sexually harassed in the workplace by at least one student. Over email. It was remarkably inappropriate, and it was awful. What recourse did I have as a male schoolteacher in an environment when a female was sexually harassing me over email? I had none. Zero. In fact, when it's you as a male, and and like I did, I did what I was contractually obligated to do, which is you bring the email to the administration, your most immediate administrator, which is an assistant administrator, the person who's responsible for usually observing you. And you say, I just got this just now. This just was sent to me just right now. I remember looking at this person and this individual was lost. They They were lost. I said, I don't know who this student is. I don't know what this is, but you need to make this go away. And you need to find out who this student is and expel them. That was my solution. Now, what was their solution? Their solution was they had the principal come to my, come to my classroom first period of the day after I had already handed this to an administrator. He opens up my door, brings me out into the hallway. He's Rattling his change in his pockets like it's not that big of a deal. He's kind of laughing at the entire situation because he thinks it's funny. I wasn't laughing. My ass was in a sling here because I thought to myself, I'm a guy. I'm a single white male in a a school building. I'm guilty before proven innocent here. But the administrators knew that I didn't do anything wrong. But they they were laughing at it because they thought it was funny. Again, this was not funny. This was awful. And I thought to myself, what in the hell is going on here? I mean, no one is doing what they need to be doing. They're not even attempting to find out who this person was. So by the end of the day, they brought in the district investigator. There were two of them at the time. They brought in one. And he, he read it and he looked at it and he got my take on it. And I said, I, I don't know who this is. I said, I could take a guess maybe, but I don't know. I would be guessing. I said, uh, this is the email I got this morning. This is, this is it. And they said, "Well, don't worry. We get this kind of stuff all the time, and usually it just goes away on itself, it goes away all by itself. And we can't really find out, uh, you know, who it is because it's an anonymous email. and There's really no way to find out. In fact, in murder cases, it's really hard to figure out." They were pretty much laughing it off too. And I, again, I thought to myself, "Is anyone here doing their job? Am I the only one doing what I'm contractually obligated to do?" In the video, though, again. They make it sound like you have rights as an employee. That if you're being sexually harassed as an employee, then you have rights. And, and there are consequences and repercussions for the individual engaging in the crime. The fact is, is there are none. Zero. You don't have rights as a school teacher. And the quickest way to find out, again, is all you have to do is put the shoe on the other foot. And you'll immediately find out you have zero rights. Because if it was me sexually harassing a student, I would be fired, psychologically evaluated, and arrested. But no, if a student does it to a staff member, well, it'll just go away on its own. That was their solution. So my point is this, and you're going to hear this later on, because there are numerous situations here. My point is, is that in this pseudo-professional development, that they think is professional and developing the individual is, in fact, not. It's gaslighting. They're telling you you have rights when you have none. They're telling you that there are legal repercussions that can, that can be worked against a student when there aren't any. We have students bring copious amounts of drugs to school in American K-12 schools year in and year out and they always make their way back into the building. It's next to impossible. To have a student expelled from a school building they have to rape someone and even in those situations where individuals have been um, illegally surveilled by students using cell phones I've brought up a bunch of those stories in the past too when situations like that exist the teacher has no repercussion they, they have no uh, th- th- there are no consequences there are no recourse is what I'm trying to say there just isn't but the, but this video these videos that they produce, are gaslighting the staff into believing that you have rights and you're protected. No, the exact opposite is true. Look what the last three years did. I'm going to bring this up more than once, but look what the last three years did. The last three years proved that you have no rights, certainly in the working environment. I don't want to wear a mask. You're fired. I don't want my students wearing a mask either. Oh, you're not complying? Well, you're insubordinate. You're fired. I don't think we should be talking about shot taking and people taking these shots. I mean, it says right here it's a biological weapon. I don't think anybody should be, oh, you're you're not going along with what we're telling everybody? You're fired. You have no rights. None. The last three years should have been all the proof a person should need. That should be it. Here's the other irony an ironic part about this entire video, uh, in, in particular, rather, this specific video. They actually have the stones in this video to bring up the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And they remind everybody listening to the video, ladies and gentlemen, the Civil Rights Act of 1964 protects anybody in the workplace from harassment, discrimination, based on medical, religious, personal, whatevers, whatever you want to call it, they actually have the stones to bring it up. When every single university and K-12 environment violated the Civil Rights Act of 1964 in the last three years on a day-in and day-out basis. That's why this professional development is brainwashing and gaslighting to the nth degree. And they know what they're doing, and they don't care. They're just trying to create compliant, you're going to be okay, everything's going to be fine kind of workers, and just lull you into this sleep where ultimately the environment will become so poisonous that you won't know which way is up. Now, I'm going to keep playing this. And get into again to these scripted scenarios right now. And this first one uh, is a doozy. So give this a listen in three, two, one.
3: We have a, a pretty in-depth no-bullying policy here. Everybody, teachers and administrators, um, we all have to be on the lookout for anything. And uh, a big part of that is checking new apps and social media because so much of it happens online and, and on their phones. So this morning, I was looking on uh, one of these apps that lets you post and comment anonymously. And uh, there was a post about Juan, one of our students here. And it said, how long till that F word comes out of the closet? And there's dozens of comments all basically saying the same thing. So I went on to social media to see if, you know, there's more of this going on. Um, And the the thing is, most of our students here um, keep their posts private because they know we check them. But one of them created... A public community page titled, Wands and F-Word. And is just them
4: posting all these horrible things. Photos, comments, everything about him. Really, it's awful.
0: <laughs> this could be one of my favorite ones. I think this is one of my favorite ones. Right out of the gate, I, I was laughing the first time I watched this. Someone called one the F word. A fag is what they're basically saying. Uh, when is when is that fag going to come out of the closet? Here, here's the funny part. Uh, all of those dramatic pauses that existed in that audio that you just heard were real. That wasn't me spacing out the audio. That's the cheesy nature of this instruction, and it's almost like a, just a very bad, poorly acted after-school special. It's, it's like that, but it's intended for adults, which should tell you how uh, interested they are in insulting you intellectually. They, they, they talk to you like you're an idiot. First of all, I'll say this. Well, that's first of all. Second of all, if you're a school teacher and you're perusing social media posts and what students are saying on social media posts, you need to get a life. I mean, you need to go do something else with your, and spend your time doing something else. I mean, get another hobby. You're a borderline pedophile. If all you're doing is perusing social media, looking for students' social media posts, you have no life. It's pathetic. So, uh, you know, either either change your habits or throw yourself off a bridge. One of the two. Because again, no logical educator of any kind, regardless of the environment, is perusing social media posts looking to see what students are doing and/or saying. No one does that, so the entire scenario is borderline fake. I mean, it's—I'm not saying that students don't say bad things about one another on social media, but it's not the—it's not the—it's not the the teacher's business unless someone brings it to the teacher, and there's a serious threat to safety potentially in the building or, again, to a student. Then, of course, the teacher has a responsibility to bring it to the administrator, and the administrator has a responsibility to bring it to the resource officer, and then it's in the hands of the law, allegedly. But that's that's the order of operations there. You shouldn't be some creep teacher who's, you know, looking up what Gay Juan is doing in his spare time and whether or not there's a fake website talking about gay Juan, That's not the that's not the that's not the job of the teacher, but you can see how, and here rather, how in the video he's trying to normalize that as being a effective teacher practice. It's not. No teacher belongs on social media, certainly not perusing um student posts. For what they deem to be safe or unsafe. That's Bolshevism. They'll say it's under the guise of safety, but don't they always? Don't they always say, come over here to this wall, putting your head up against this wall and your body up against this wall and facing this wall is safe and, and we're protecting you? That's what they say right before they shoot you in the back of the head. That's, this, is, this is not safe, it's dangerous. And I might add uh not only is the overacting terrible with this male actor, but he's he's uh he's flamboyant, so he's probably gay and he's standing up for gay Juan, who's been called a fag, and that's offensive and We need to help Juan now because he's in danger give me Give me a break, and then they cut in in these videos with periodic questions to ask. And it says here for this particular question, it says, quote, what should Paul do next? He's seen online bullying of one of his students in a sexual nature. This situation could involve fill in the blank. And it says, select the best answers. And the two answers that they provide here are a hostile environment or a quid pro quo. Those are the two, (laughs) those are the two possible answers. It's I I have to tell you, it's just beyond embarrassing, but keep in mind, Juan is not a white student. Remember, they're discriminating in these things, and they know what they're doing. Juan is the victim. Juan is a minority student, and you have a gay teacher, an alleged gay teacher who's clearly flamboyant. But either way, they know what they're doing. They know that the subliminal messaging and the people who scripted this are purposefully doing this. To isolate white individuals as being the victimizer, not the victim. Now what you're going to hear is the computer voice's alleged solution. This could not be more wrong. And it's dangerous.
2: Calling Juan the F word, or fag, is hostile environment sexual harassment because it is focused on sexual orientation. Juan's actual sexual orientation, that is, whether he is gay or not, is irrelevant to the situation. Paul is required by school and district policy, and more than likely by state law, to take action. He should immediately refer to school policy to learn what steps to take next in terms of who to report the issue to. He should also talk to Juan and let him know he's seen the posts online and has taken action to put a stop to it. Juan also will need the teacher's support. Paul could also use this as a teachable moment in his classroom. He should facilitate a discussion about cyberbullying and get students to develop ideas for putting a stop to it. And encourage them to avoid liking or sharing comments and even comment on harassing posts with requests to stop. Of course, Paul should not say during this conversation, Juan is being bullied. The conversation would be focused on the general topic of cyberbullying. Paul also should not act alone. Involving administration as well as counselors and consulting school policy should remain consistent. Never force students to apologize or force them into mediation.
0: That entire suggestion, every word of it, is false. Every single word of what they just suggested is wrong. My God. First of all, under no circumstance should any teacher be on social media and commenting on social media to students anonymously or not. Doesn't matter the situation. That's number one. Number two, it is not the job of the teacher in their spare time or during their contractual obligation time. As a paid employee, to be on social media and intervene on social media conversations between students. This is absurd. I can't even believe that this is being suggested. It's that dumb. I I couldn't even imagine it. Under no circumstance would this ever be suggested in a logical situation, but as we know, logic has been thrown out the window and been run over by every Mack truck on the highway over the last three plus years. It's all gone now. There is no logic anymore. They want teachers surveilling students online and then intervening with these students online and suggesting that they leave Juan alone. But but don't ever bring up that Juan's been bullied. Don't tell them that. And then he says, and they suggest, the the computer lady suggests, talking to Juan and telling Juan as the school teacher. That you've seen the online posts and that you're there for one. No. The answer is no. This is an administrative and legal move. And it only happens and you only intervene if a student brings it to your attention. Which means, even if the student brings it to the teacher's attention, because the teacher shouldn't be paying attention to this online under any circumstance whatsoever, then the teacher should look at the student and say, take it to the administration. Hell, have the teacher walk the student who told the teacher down to the administrator's office and tell the administrator. You're passing it on to them because it's not your problem as a school teacher. But as you can clearly see in their scenario and clearly here, they want the teacher to be always involved. This is a huge, huge mistake huge mistake this is a legal matter and frankly it's just sticks and stones will break my bones matter get over it juan get over it i mean that's that's part of it too but at the same time this is not the business of the school teacher this is not their job they're not supposed to be detective enforcer investigator and all these other things this is not their job but they're normalizing this and you heard, you heard her say, tell the administration, and that was their last suggestion, no. That's the first move. If you're even told about something like this, it's absurd. Completely ridiculous. Here's the next scenario, though. This one is equally as strange.
4: Kids will pick on each other. But as a teacher, it's mostly about how you go about trying to prevent it or make it a learning experience. It's just a lot harder when it's coming at you. I've caught Steven a few times saying just inappropriate things about me when he thought I wasn't listening. And when I'd catch him, he would either be all apologetic or like he didn't know what happened. Now it's become a regular thing and he acts like he doesn't care. Everyone's just become more comfortable with it. It's not like they encourage it so much. It's just before they wouldn't laugh like they do now. The other day I was going through the classes weekly, journal reflections, and I get to Steven's. It wasn't the assignment prompt at all. Instead, he, he just, he wrote what he wanted to do to me in detail. And I've been in this situation before, but not this bad. This, this makes it way harder to want to teach. I don't know what I'm going to be walking into the next day.
0: Ugh, good lord. Okay, let me set this up. In the video, I'm painting a picture here, so bear with me. In the video, she's a young, 20-something, Hispanic-looking gal, okay? She's not unattractive, but there she is anyway, and she's walking down the hallway while she's wearing a sundress that, of course, has a skirt on it that's well above the knee. I'm just making an observation. She might want to wear something else, but that's my two cents. You can wear something like that on the weekend, but at school, you know, I don't know. Either way, she's walking past these three students. This is clearly middle school. She's walking past these three students. The one on the left is white. The one in the middle is black. And the tall one on the right is white. She walks past the 3 of them as they're all whispering and talking to each other seemingly about her and she stops and she addresses the white student on the right who is the tallest of the 3 and starts to talk at him as he's got his arms folded and she's kind of lecturing him and shaking her head and then she walks away and then they kind of, and the other 2 students while the, the 2 of them are interacting the other 2 students have turned their backs to them and are giggling Okay, I mean, the scenario is hilarious, but it's so unrealistic because if what was happening was really happening, she would be addressing all three of them, not just singling out one. And then, of course, why are you singling out the white kid? There's another white kid there and there's a black kid, but she's she's picking she's singling out this particular one. And then, of course, she goes to the journal entry and he and he's talking about what he wants to do to me sexually and blah, blah, blah. You have no rights. I, I I went over that earlier. You have zero rights. What should happen in the situation is the teacher should take that, make copies of it immediately, the moment she reads it in its entirety, make copies of it, stop what she's doing, regardless of where she is, and take it to administration, and then take it to the resource officer, and then what should happen is is the student should be investigated. It's clearly them, and they should be expelled but that's not going to happen. They might be suspended for a little bit, but don't worry because the entire time, while real consequences are not taking place, that teacher is going to be traumatized because they are going to know that that student is ultimately going to come back into that environment and keep doing what they're doing. I mean, I hope that you're hearing all of this and you're saying to yourself that this is not an environment for any logical thinking person. It's the illusion of justice. It's the illusion of consequences. It's the illusion of the law existing. The law does not exist in these environments. It doesn't, because the right thing won't happen. The kid doing the sexual harassing should be expelled. That's not going to happen. The kid might, like I said, be suspended for a little bit, maybe a day, maybe two, and then they'll be right back in the classroom, and that'll be it. The parents should be called, they should be warned, but don't worry, it'll happen again, and again, and again, and that's just the way that it works. Here's the question they ask at the end of the scenario. Now, I just told you what she should do, but here's here's what they say. The question says, what can Jess do? Does the situation involve sexual harassment? And then there's only two answers, a yes and a no. Yes. She's experiencing a hostile work environment, even if it's from her students. And then, no, teachers can only claim sexual harassment if it comes from another colleague or staff member. That's it. Those are the only answers they provide. They're not going to provide you the answer that I just provided, which is the answer. It's these contrived, gaslighting questions and answers That they drive into into the minds of these staff members and actually get them to watch, watch, listen to, and answer these on a year-in and year-out basis. It's remarkably insulting. Now here's their alleged solution to that last scenario and the next scenario. And then I'll jump in at the end of both of these.
2: Jess's situation may involve sexual harassment in the form of a hostile work environment. She has endured repeated and escalating harassive remarks from one of her students and has crept its way into different mediums such as school assignments. Jess has expressed that she is undergoing distress as this continues
5: and that her work is affected. Alyssa and I both teach math here, and we get along pretty well since uh, most of the department is guys. Not a bad thing, just, you know, we look out for each other. So today I was walking down the hallway back to the office, and from one of the classrooms, I hear someone say something about Alyssa in um uh, let's just call it an interesting way. Sometimes teachers will leave their doors open, and I wasn't trying to eavesdrop or anything, but I just wanted to hear, you know, what they were saying about her. Turns out Darren, one of the history teachers, was showing a video. Of Alyssa on the projector to the class, and he was saying stuff like, "Uh, hey, anybody want to guess what bra size she's got?" And, uh, "Wouldn't it be great if she could do those moves in the classroom?" Apparently, what happened was a student saw her somewhere outside of school, so he filmed her with his phone and put it on the internet. Somehow, Darren found out about it and. Thought it'd be a great idea to show it to the class. I was just stunned. I mean, it just, I feel like it's coming from every direction. And I have no idea if Alyssa even knows about it.
0: I don't even know where to begin. I mean, I do, and I'm going to start here. Number one, it's a black woman describing this situation. Number two, they manipulate the environment into being majority guys. There isn't a school on planet Earth that is the majority men. Not one. Did you catch her say that at the very beginning? I didn't know what to do because it's a majority men environment. No, it isn't. (laughs) No, it's not. There's not a single school in America that is majority men. If it is, they're all gay. But they're not men. This is a huge problem. And then, of course, who is the victimizer in the situation? Who is the teacher who's making fun of the female students' posts that are online in the videos that they've posted online? Yes, that's right. It's a white male. With a shaved head, I might add. It's a white male. Do you see what's happening here? This is why the likes of Chris Rufo, Libs of TikTok, and Matt Walsh, and Tim Poole, and all these other goofballs. This is why they they will never touch this with a 10-foot pole. It is ingrained within these videos, and within this entire website, this Vector Solutions. This entire industry is designed to gaslight people into believing that white men are the problem that they are the victimizers, that the victims are everyone else, white girls, black girls, Hispanic girls, gay minorities, you name it. They've, ran, they've run through all of those because in none of these situations is the victim a white male, not one. White female, allegedly, given the last video, but you don't see the race of, of the female who's, who's on this, uh, you know, fake scenario video on, on social media that's allegedly being played in the classroom, which, by the way, that too is equally as absurd. No one would do that. No school teacher would play a social media video of another student at the front of class, make comments like that, or that, are, that are blatantly sexually related to the entire class unless that, unless that teacher, unless that well, I don't know why, unless that teacher is, knows that that's their last day of school <laughs> and they're never going to work in that building or in the entire profession ever again. Other than that, there's, no, there's absolutely no reason why that would ever take place. It's next to impossible, but it doesn't matter. The overall picture here that I want people to understand, because I'm done playing the audio now, but the overall picture is that this quote-unquote professional development that is going on right now doesn't have to make the news, so to speak, in order for it to be invasive, subliminal, but also right in your face and direct regarding the race discrimination that takes place against whites within these within these videos and the entire hostile scenario that they are setting up against whites because keep in mind it's a black woman who helped formulate all of this I read her credentials at the beginning she claims that she's creating this instruction for environments that are predominantly white these environments Are not that anymore and certainly haven't been for a very long time. They're certainly not male driven environments. They aren't a majority male. But according to the last fake scenario, listening to the individual who overheard the inappropriate conversation in the classroom, you would assume that that's plausible, that there would be a school environment that would be majority male. Well, that's not true. That doesn't exist. Again, if the shoe were on the other foot, and I had credentials in my biography that said Sean conducts research and uh, and writes books for so and so or this university or that university that specifically address minority environments predominantly made up of black students and black staff members and how these are violent environments, if that was in my bio i mean a mob would come after me without a doubt i wouldn't care but i wouldn't have that in my bio number 1 because i'll just let the facts speak for themselves here's the here's the the flip side of the coin too is that these these authors that are writing this are predominantly one of the three categories they are either black male or female they are either white male or female slash or jewish or they're gay These are the individuals that are allowed to get away with having such a description in your biography where you're talking about researching predominantly white environments and how that's problematic and blah, blah, blah. That right there, they're allowed to do that. But if I did it as a straight white male, I I couldn't. I wouldn't be allowed. You see what they're doing here? I hope you heard it. This is everywhere. This is across the board. If an entire school district in Louisiana is having their instruction, be this, as their professional development, eight to nine hours of this being played on computer videos on a constant basis, and then you have to answer all the questions and then turn it in. And again, they throw the questions in the middle of the videos. So when you when you stop hearing the video, you have to assume that it's time to answer the question, and then these teachers will just answer the question and then move on. It almost doesn't matter if it's being taken seriously by the teachers themselves or not. It's brainwashing. It's just flat-out brainwashing. Watching videos like this is psychological abuse. And this is what they want in the environment, because they know that with time, And with this kind of subliminal instruction, they can brainwash the masses into believing that white people are the problem, these environments are filled with men, they're the problem, and that everybody else is the victim. It's right here. It can't be any more obvious than this. Now, it's obvious to us, and it's obvious to the people who are scripting it and writing it. They know what what they're doing. But it's the asleep people in the middle who have no idea what's taking place. They don't know that they're being subverted psychologically within these environments and demoralized. Day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. Not a clue. And they think this business is going to survive. Give me a break. It won't. It's failing. It's already failed. You can't put Humpty Dumpty back on the wall with this one. Not after the last three years, certainly. And this right here again proves my, my little metaphor and visual example. Pedal to the floor, fifth gear. It's, it's locked into place. They're not moving away from this. This is the way that it's going to be from here on out. There's not a single thing that can stop it. Nothing. Except for walking away from the business and letting it burn. That's it walking away permanently and letting the entire building turn into a refugee camp for migrants, quote-unquote. That's the next phase, and that's already happening too. It's happening in New York. They're taking vacant school buildings and putting migrants in them. See how we've come full circle now? (laughs) I mean, that's it. (laughs) That's, That's what's going on here. It's astounding, absolutely astounding. Okay, one jab-related story here that I want to bring up. Um, this is an interesting one, and this was on Gab the other day. And then with it were slides and videos, rather of of the actual blood, microscopic blood slides that were taken of of this individual. So let me just read this post, and then I'll uh, I'll call it quits on on this episode. This is from an Ivy Bell, at Ivy Bell on Gab. It looks like via Australia, if I had to take a guess. It says, attention, all unvaxxed purebloods must read this. It says, quote, we have all been unknowingly poisoned and clearly without consent. I am beyond angry. I am still in shock and ropeable. I don't know what that means on behalf of all humanity. They say this, they say a brief overview on my vax status. Quote, I am COVID-19 unvaxed. The last vax I had was approximately 17 years ago to travel. I have only ever had one flu shot which was over 20 years ago and I don't take drugs or use needles whatsoever. I also knew about the pre-planned pandemic prior to it being released in China, so I was fairly well prepared. I warned everyone I knew not to get the incoming vaccine-slash-jab-slash-flu shot and have kept away from highly populated locations since. I have also kept all contact with vaxxed individuals to open spaces and no more than a handshake. However, horrifyingly, it has basically made little to no difference at all. They said, quote, after two unvaxxed friends, one completely unvaxxed including zero childhood vaccines, and both living separately in the country, had their blood analyzed within the last two weeks, I decided to do the same, refer next post for their photos, uh, and then, after seeing their photos, I simply couldn't and didn't want to believe that my blood was going to be tainted exactly the same, not until I saw my own live, fresh blood under the microscope for myself. They continued and said quote, "The results are evident for themselves, included below in both videos and still images for you to see. I have included sound where I believe is it is informative." For you to understand what you are seeing and what the tester has been privy to in her experience. It says, In my personal opinion, as per the Australian government website, which I posted about sometime last year, I now 100% truly believe that the government did, in fact, COVID vax the entire population via the air, more than likely in the ever present chemtrails, chem bombs which have been obvious over the country for a long time now. The vax would have been hydrolycized, if I'm saying that right, and then released from above, contaminating all food, water, animal, and human, making it impossible for anyone to escape it. This should be made, I'm sorry, uh, this should make you just as livid as it makes me. What happened to consent? This is pure evil, not to mention one hundred percent illegal. If you have any questions in related in relation to my blood analysis, I'll do my best to answer them, but besides the first good quote unquote blood slide, including the illuminated white blood cells, your guess is as good as mine. The rest is alien nanotech debris, which simply shouldn't be there. And according to the tester, This is now what everyone's blood looks like, both here, in Australia, and overseas. Please share in order for everyone to know exactly what our global governments have been doing and are still doing to us. Until we manage to put a complete stop to all chemtrails and mass poisoning of the entire human and animal population, not to mention the crops and water, we will all start dying prematurely. This must stop. It says, update, I forgot to mention that I have been taking NAC, N-acetylcysteine, 500 milligrams daily for nearly two years now, too, in an attempt to constantly detox myself from foreign matter. Also, for context, these images are all taken from one tiny drop of my blood, too. They then ended and said, can we even begin to comprehend how much non-bio-alien junk is in each of us now? Exclamation point, question mark, unquote. Um, you know, I, I don't know about this. I don't know. I'm not saying it's not possible. It's certainly possible. This is something that needs to be studied here in the United States. We need to, we need to be testing the blood of the unjabbed, as they said initially, without a doubt. Again, I can only speak for myself here and, and the people in my immediate sphere that I know, but uh, I haven't been sick outside of that coughing spell that I had back in 2021. Haven't been sick since. Haven't had a sniffle. Thank God. Um, I've been around the jabbed. I haven't been shed on. My parents haven't been sick. They're not jabbed. And uh, Yeah. That's that's about all I can say. I I don't um my mom was sick for a little while there, for maybe a week or so. And then that was about it and it was fatigue mostly. But yeah, I don't know. It's hard to tell. This is an interesting one. Checking the blood of the unjabbed would be an interesting thing to do, without a doubt. So, I don't know how you get that done necessarily. I certainly don't want to go into a doctor's office or a hospital, but hey, if you know someone who has a a, uh, a microscope and some slides and is willing to look at unvaxed blood, well, I guess that's your, that's your best guess. Either way, we know that the shedding is real. We know that unjabbed people are getting sick, and un, unjabbed people are dying from being shed on. That's certainly a real thing. Um, dropping the chemtrails on us, I, I don't doubt it. I really don't doubt it. Poisoning the food, clearly. But I don't, I don't know how to mitigate this really right now. So I'll keep looking into it. I'm sure other people have looked into this more in depth than I have, but we'll keep an eye on that without a doubt. Okay, with that said, I'll drop it there and I will catch you on Friday. Thanks for listening. Take care. God bless. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.